With the retail sector reeling from the dual shock of COVID-19 and the deadly July unrest, a great deal of hope has been pinned on the upcoming holiday season, which kicks off with Black Friday. But as consumers head to the malls or their favorite online shopping site, how likely are they to be scared away by ever-increasing prices as the inflation beast once again rears its ugly head? And while 2021 has been the year of vaccinations and the beginnings of economic recovery, it'll also be remembered for power cuts, social unrest and rampant unemployment. So what's on your mind? Well, allow us to hazard a guess based on what Google can tell us about what South Africans like you and me have been looking for on the Internet. This is no ordinary Wednesday. It's an in-depth look at events and trends, moving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. I'm Jeremy Maggs. Welcome to the penultimate episode of 2021. First, the repo rate has increased by 25 basis points to 3.75%. This is as inflation pressure starts to build. I'm joined now by Investec Treasury economist Tersha Jacobs. So, Tersha, a very warm welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. So, the interest rate is up. We know the RAND weakness is partly to blame. But what are some of the key developments in global financial markets that the Reserve Bank's Monetary Policy Committee will have considered? Jeremy, I think that's a very important question because, you know, the jury was very much out at the November MBC meeting whether the Reserve Bank will raise the repo rate by 25 basis points or not. And I think the key driver here was basically what's happened externally. The big thing that have actually changed is the fact that, you know, the U.S. did start, the U.S. Fed announced that the Fed will start tapering its bond purchases, but that in itself didn't have much of an impact. It was more the subsequent increase in inflation that continued to accelerate, and that created concern that the Fed may have to hike rates earlier. And that in turn um, saw the dollar rallying because, you know, interest rate differentials in the developed world is very much in favor of the US dollar. And as a result, EM currencies came under tremendous pressure. So the dynamic here then for us is with the inflation outlook, we, we still have a very benign inflation outlook, although in coming months, we're very likely to see inflation rising above 5%. But I think because they are upside risks to the Reserve Bank's inflation forecast. You know, the international dynamic with potential a weaker rand than what we had before, I think resulted in the decision or caused three out of the five MPC members to be in favor of a rate hike. I want to return to inflation in just a moment, but you've mentioned the weighting there, not a unanimous decision. Do we know then what the various arguments were around the table? No, I think this is where we sort of look at each MPC member individually and we say, oh, we think this member is more hawkish, this one is more dovish. But I would think that the three members that were in favour of the rate hike obviously focused more on developments in the financial markets, whereas the two members that were comfortable with the current repo rate, especially as there was no major upward revisions to the inflation forecast, probably focused but more on growth because the Reserve Bank deems risk to their GDP growth forecast to the downside. 
So the governor also saying that interest rate hikes are going to be gradual. What do we understand about the word gradual? So gradual basically means that we're not going to see aggressive front-loaded rate hikes. To give you an idea, there were traders in the market that expected the repo rate could be increased by as much as 50 basis points at the November meeting, and then that would lead immediately to another 25 basis point rate hike in January and perhaps another one in March. With a gradual rate hiking cycle basically means that the Reserve Bank moves in small and measured steps. And the main reason for that basically is not to cause a shock to demand. In other words, suddenly debt servicing costs on your outstanding debt accelerates and that has a major impact on your cash flow. So a gradual increase means smaller rate hikes, which does not really make a major difference to your debt servicing costs. Now let's return to inflation if we can. Does it automatically follow, I wonder, that inflation in South Africa increases in lockstep with larger economies like the United States and countries in Europe? No, it's not in lockstep, but you know, one can, for example, expect that a higher global inflation can at some point in time exert upward pressure on South African prices. And the link here at the moment is obviously the supply side chain disruptions that we've seen. There's been a delivery time in goods arriving in countries. South Africa's imported inflation has increased a bit, our intermediary. So that's, you know, prices we pay for goods that are used in the manufacturing process have accelerated. Um, But I think the difference is, is that, you know, that you're not immediately seeing it in higher headline inflation is that services inflation in South Africa is still very subdued. And also, you know, demand has not really returned to pre-pandemic levels. So it's very difficult for retailers to pass on the full extent of the high input costs. You use the word subdued, and that springs then to mind the word stagflation. We hear it whispered about these days. How likely, in your opinion, is the scenario in this country? And perhaps more importantly, can anything be done to avoid it? Your second part, I think, is basically what can contain um, or reduces the risk of stagflation. Yes, stagflation is certainly a risk. But I think the counter argument to this is that we have an independent central bank whose mandate is to contain inflation, and that is where they use inflation targets. So they follow that trajectory of inflation target. And that then feeds into the credibility of the central bank, which in turn has an impact on inflation expectations. Because, you know, higher inflation expectations are what propagates higher inflation. And that, I think, is why the Reserve Bank, and especially, you know, the the governor of the Reserve Bank, communicates a very hawkish message. Because if you influence inflation expectations, then that in turn should hopefully help to anchor inflation going forward, notwithstanding high input costs. So in conclusion, Tersha, there's a lot of doubt which is swirling around right now. What do we expect next year from the ratings agencies? 
Last week, both S&P and Moody's left the rating unchanged. And the reason for that was what we think twofold. Number one is we had the meaningful increase in nominal GDP on account of the historical revisions. Last year's GDP increased by 11%. And that in turn helped to lower the debt to GDP trajectory by about 10 percentage points to 70%. Added to that is the massive revenue windfall that we have received from especially the mining industry that has helped to finance some of the additional expenditure. But the outstanding issues still remain. Are we going to see an acceleration in growth? You know, Reserve Bank's GDP forecast for next year is 1.8%. Consensus market expectations are just more than 2%, which is very muted. And then in 2023, the growth forecast is still sort of settled at around about 2%. So with that kind of scenario, you're not going to see a repeat of the revenue windfalls that we have received this year. And then the other outstanding issues are what is is going to happen to government spending. And that's specifically the public sector wage bill. How permanent will social grants be? What will be the magnitude of that increase? So there's a number of outstanding issues. So looking at the rating agencies, you know, what's going to be very important is the February budget review. So we can't see them under these circumstances actually changing the rating. So Moody's very likely to remain still on a negative outlook. And S&P is really at the cusp of of, of sub-investment going to the next sub-investment grade, which is basically bigger junk. So having listened to that, I would say strap in tight because 2022 is certainly going to be a challenging year. Tersha Jacobs, Investec Treasury Economist, thank you for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. In just a moment, we'll look at how the higher repo rate and looming higher inflation is affecting you at the shops with Investec Economist Lara Hodes. But first, a quick reminder that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please rate us. It's been four months since the deadly July unrest and the cost of the retail market is becoming clear the very sector battered by COVID-19. The latest retail sales numbers fell by 5.4% quarter-on-quarter, dragged down by the looting and destruction in Gauteng and also in KwaZulu-Natal. And the woes of retailers are far from over. Inflation, as we've just heard from Tersha Jacobs, is on the rise. Mass-smart workers are on strike and a fourth COVID wave is on the horizon. So, Lara, a very warm welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. Let me start with this. It's a fairly gloomy picture that we've painted. So how is the rise in interest rates first going to affect the already burdened consumer and I guess eat into the profits of retailers, particularly at uh, this time of the year? Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Um, So it was a marginal rise uh, in interest rates uh, that we had last week, 25 basis points. But further rate hikes in the following quarters are predicted as inflation pressures continue to build. The future rate hikes will definitely impact the already constrained consumer who's still reeling from the effects of the pandemic. Generally, unemployment rates are at a historical high and climbing administered prices, especially electricity and fuel prices continue to dilute disposable incomes. Retailers, although they're in a much better position compared to the second quarter of last year, 
when those harsh lockdown measures were in place, barring trade of all but essential goods and services, many continue to face a number of challenges, including the heightened rotational load shedding, which um, significantly hinders activity, especially smaller players in the market who are already struggling to stay afloat. Compliance with COVID-related health protocols, protocols on added costs, diluting profits, and the supply chain bottlenecks globally, which lead to stock shortages and longer supply lead times and continue to drive up input costs. I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're almost two years into lockdown in South Africa. Can you believe it? And I'm wondering now, against what you've just told me, how consumer behavior then has generally changed? That's part one of the question. And part two, are we expecting a change in behavior over Black Friday, just around the corner, and obviously the festive season holidays? So there have been a few um, shifts in how consumers go about, you know, their daily lives and their spending trends. The most notable shift, I'd say, is the move to transacting online. So having an online presence is essential for retailers to remain relevant. A high level of uncertainty does still exist, weighing consumer confidence. Accordingly, consumers generally are more mindful of their purchases. So following a disappointing third quarter, retail sales are expected to pick up in the last quarter as we head into the all-important festive season. Black Friday, which is a highly anticipated event in the retail calendar, proved largely unsuccessful last year, unfortunately, compared to previous years. Uh, Hopefully this year it will be more fruitful, allowing retailers to claw back lost revenue. Online transacting should continue to be a preferred medium avoiding super spreader events, you know, with everyone rushing to the malls, although retailers should have heightened protocols in place. And then just on the side, the risk does remain. However, we've seen cases starting to rise again in the country and definitely globally, particularly in Europe. And vaccination rates aren't at optimal levels. So fourth wave is expected um, in the near term, which if it comes sooner than expected with, with the associated lockdown restrictions could affect seasonal trade to an extent. So there are so many variables flying around at the moment and retail success is obviously contingent on consumer movement. To what extent then has the easing of lockdown restrictions most recently had in terms of a rebound in the sector, if at all? Unfortunately, we saw the July riots, which definitely put a a dampening effect on confidence and hindered trade. And we saw retail sales month on month in July uh, drop sharply. You know, very heightened restrictions were in place, though, in July with a limit on alcohol sales and much earlier curfew times. So the loosening of measures once cases recede definitely has a, a direct impact on consumption patterns. A pent-up demand plays a bigger role in this. So a tough time for consumers. I think that we all agree on that. Do we have any sense then, Laura, on how this translates into what actually goes into the metaphorical shopping basket? There's been a change in what we've noticed. Earlier on in the pandemic, there was a surge or a big increase in DIY-related products like paint and hardware and furniture and appliances, um, benefiting from the work-from-home shift consumers 
doing up their homes, buying appliances. You know, they were generally at home. Semi-durable and durable goods, big ticket items. Um, retailers in these particular categories have benefited from high income earners who've got additional savings to spend. During lockdown, they haven't been able to travel overseas or spend on entertainment. So they have had a bit of savings. So, you know, the, the retailers in those categories have benefited from the high income earners. However, necessity items continue to make up most of the lower income households baskets. And just a final question then, we've been discussing poor retail figures for the quarter to September. What impact then on your GDP forecast? So we factored in a disappointing outcome for the trade sector during Q3. So we are expecting a total GDP outcome, headline GDP outcome to contract by 1% on a quarter-on-quarter seasonally adjusted basis in the third quarter. But we are still looking for a yearly 5% growth figure year-on-year for 2021 as a whole off last year's low base. And that's where we are going to leave it. Investec economist Lara Hodes, thank you very much for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. Thanks, Jeremy. On every episode of No Ordinary Wednesday, we pick a question about the world of money that's been on our listeners' minds, and we'll do our best to answer it. If you have such a question, please go to investec.com forward slash now. That's investec.com forward slash N. O-W, and share your conundrum with us. This week, as the year is finally winding down, we're going to take a look at all of your questions, and I mean the ones that you're typing into Google. Houston Muzamhido is a data analyst at Investec Private Bank and has taken a look at the search terms that have been trending in South Africa and around the world. So, Houston, a very warm welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. Let me start with this. If I had spent 2021 in a cave, what would I learn about uh, this year from what people have been searching for on Google? It's always interesting. What have you found? What is interesting is I think each one of us were in our own cave because of the lockdown. So pretty much what we, well, what I would tell you now is exactly what, what we saw when we were doing the, like the analysis around trends uh, or even what our, our clients were concerned about. Essentially, I think the themes were around pretty much COVID. Those are the things that we saw in the beginning of the year. It was around lockdowns. Everyone was concerned around lockdowns and the obvious things that carried on from last year, like unemployment. Unemployment we saw that come through a, a lot this year, especially around the beginning of the year. Because of the 350, everyone was concerned about that one. Whenever there was an, an announcement around lockdown, restaurants, people from working in restaurants, people working in the travel industry, those were some of the searches that were, that were pulling through. And then closer to the end of the year, like around this time, we saw vaccinations as one of the keywords that people started to search uh, to search for. If you look at uh, Google Trends, you see from around June 2021, there's a huge spike in vaccinations. What is worrying, or depending on how you look at it, the trend for vaccine, for the search for vaccine, is now on a dip, it's going down. It's either we're vaccinated enough and we are done with that, part or it's actually because people the ones that wanted to vaccinate have vaccinated already and and now how do we motivate other people to vaccinate we haven't yet so that is that is an interesting one yeah so the work year is almost over and i think many of us are breathing a huge sigh of relief the so-called silly season is here what keywords are floating around the ether at the moment what are you looking at Keywords around restaurants starting to slowly pick up, starting to slowly pick up on Google Trends. So that is one where you see the people want to go out and actually meet other people out there. And then cheap flights. 
if you put it on one graph, cheap flights, Kulula and Travostad, they are tracking very, very closely and in sync, which is very interesting because it means there was an obvious dip in March last year. They are slowly, slowly recovering, though we are not yet at pre-COVID levels at all. I think we are a quarter way there, but it shows as things are opening up, people are starting to look for these cheap flights, to look for ways to travel and, and accommodation. Uh, that's another one. That's another big one that's coming. And now, because of the sports that's happening, stadiums are starting to come up as well. People looking to see if they can watch some some soccer live. So that's that's pretty interesting. Of course, because of the period that we're in, Christmas and Black Friday deals currently, especially this week, they, they are tracking very well with our Christmas searches. Yeah. So all signs we hope that are going to lead to a normal holiday or festive season. Final question, what about next year? Anything you can glean from the Google Crystal Ball going forward? Next year, if we look at terms like load shedding and people were quiet when it comes to the searches around around August 2021, but then now it started picking up, I think because of the recent load sheddings that we've had and from the predictions that Google has currently, it's still going to go up. And that could be the, the fear that's just in people that maybe load shedding is going to affect Christmas. And of course, around fourth wave, experts are saying the fourth wave is coming. We just do not know when it's going to happen. So since we don't know when it's going to happen, many people are just searching, especially tied in with Christmas. Is the fourth wave going to happen before Christmas or it's going to happen afterwards? So those are things that we're paying close attention to for when that's going to happen. Online behavior is always fascinating. And I'm going to thank Houston Muzamhido, data analyst at Investec Private Bank, for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. Please join us again for our last episode of the year on the 8th of December as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, goodbye from me, Jeremy Maggs, and the entire Focus Radio team. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.